Biblical Soul Care Sunday School. This is our Sunday School class that's aimed at really helping us become better um, soul care providers, better um, disciplers, um, to give better counsel uh, to those who might who are in our sphere of influence. Um, some of us are in uh, discipleship relationships where you are discipling somebody. You're helping somebody to know the Lord more accurately, more truly, and to live out their faith um, genuinely. So uh, in that, to that end, we are talking about various topics, and this one is, is anger. So we're completing that series. I would really, again, encourage you to pick up both of those books, um, Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones and also Good and Angry by David Pallison. Um, they go really well together. There's a lot of overlap, but Pallison gets into it maybe a little bit more detail about what, how can you do anger the right way? So, but just to, so for some practical application, let's look at the introduction as we're talking about good anger is this constructive displeasure of mercy. So what we've been talking about. So let's apply it. We've got this political climate in the U.S. right now that's really uh, angry. It's it has been for several years now and probably always, I don't know, but it just seems especially angry lately. Um, and as we get closer to this vote on August 2nd uh, on this value them both amendment, um, abortion is a major issue. It's a major hot button topic that people are rightly angry about. One side, I would say, is rightly angry about. Um, so just as in what your general observations, where are we seeing anger revealed on, we're going to do both sides, but first the no side. For people who are, have the signs to say vote no, what, how are they revealing anger right now in this kind of general political discussion? Steal your signs. Steal your signs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Steal them or destroy them. Vandalize them in some way. Yeah. Other ways? So yeah, there's kind of the slogan stuff, my body, my choice, who are, you know, don't keep your laws off my body. There's all kinds of those slogans that are that are going around. Sorry? Privacy for some mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're talking about privacy as a reason why. So if imagine for a second, you're in a discussion with somebody who is on the vote no side, and you're on the vote, let's put, say you're on the vote yes, you are having a discussion. What are some of the things that they might do in anger toward you? Or say? Name calling. Name calling, yeah. The kind of attacking you as a person, or uh, rather than dealing with the issues, a lot of times that's what uh, happens on both sides, honestly, but um, there tends to be attacks on you as a person on the person making the argument rather than the argument that they're making, okay? So slanderous um, accusations, uh, those kinds of things. Anything else that you might see? There's a lot of lying. Lying. Yeah, lying. Outright lying, yeah. right? About what is the intention, what is in the amendment, what is going to be the effect of the amendment, okay? A lot of lies. Sometimes they yell at you and say, you're a huge judge. Mm -hmm. You're a huge judge me. So, you're just a judgmental bigot. I don't judge you. God does. Yeah. A lot of people don't like to be told they're wrong. Mm -hmm. So, with this particular issue, if they've had prior experience with it, they're going to have a guilty conscience and feel like you're telling them that they're wrong for something that they've done. Mm 
seen lies about Jesus. Like I've seen, there's a push, Jesus trusted women and we need to trust women too. And then they said like Jesus trusted his mom when she said to go make the wine. Like, like it's just pulling scripture out of context. It was horrifying, right? Like, Distracting from the topic. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about um, the detectives. The, the Portico kids, I think, go through this, um, teaching you how to debate and how to figure out what the actual topic is that we're talking about. So they'll say, you know, you're not taking care of the children that are already here. They're distracting from the whole, the central point of the discussion to try and mm-hmm. pull you away. I think anger is often revealed in the lack of listening, but tenderly, which I, I, I think, is is there. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lack of listening to yeah. to try to understand. There's not a willingness to engage on right. it. Right. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I had a, recently had a conversation. Well, some messages sent uh, with someone I deeply care about, and the response I got was, "No, no we're just we're too different. I don't really want to talk about it." I'm. I'm just going to stay with, with what I, I've heard it all, was the comment. I was like, okay. <laughs> so there, there's, gonna be, there's a lack of engagement. I won't even listen. I'm going to give you the, the time of day. Judy. Some of these people that are on the no side really need to talk to some women that have abortions because some of the women afterwards are just messed up. I mean, even a psychologist cannot help them because then they have a guilty conscience afterwards that they've killed their baby. And they don't think of that prior to. They're they're in a jam, so this is the way out. And then as they get older, it's like they start wondering how old this child would be, would have been, what they might have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's Why didn't they adopt the child out instead of? So there could be some anger, some regret, <coughs> um, for for the woman who had an abortion, or maybe even the boyfriend who pressured them in there. There ought to be exactly. some re- some grief over that, right? And, they and there should be some. And, and sometimes rather than deal with our grief and our anger ab- about that regret, that sinful thing that I know I've done something wrong, sometimes we will just defend it more rather than explore, why am I feeling like that? Why, why is this? I thought this was supposed to be this wonderful thing to be able to have this freedom, to have women's rights. and things. So there, there's a kind of a dissonance in, in the heart. There's a lot of explicit propaganda, especially on my watch. YouTube, a amount. Um, every couple, of, every other ad I'd say mm-hmm. I get is yeah. a vote no, and it's a doctor saying mm-hmm. vote no because otherwise we won't be able to uphold our our thing to save your lives, you know, which is is bull. Yeah, and it's like someone I think one someone else said it's just there's just lies going on. So okay, let's go to the, let's go to the other side. So um, the vote yes side. Where might anger be <laughs> exposed or, or shown? Complaining about or someone's getting torn up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think a failure to listen tenderly to mm-hmm. people who are voting no. Yeah. And their reasons. 
a lot of the same things probably, right? But a, a lack of engagement, I don't know. You're so wrong, I'm not even going to listen to you. Okay. What else? How else can we reveal anger? I think I just generally like any time I see that sign or hear that argument, I just, I want to, like you're believing a lie and you're not willing to, and, and so some of those people I think probably are genuinely, they, they've heard it and they just don't know if you could engage them and listen to them, you probably could have a little bit of a conversation, mm-hmm. but I kind of lump everybody into the category that you're just willingly believing this lie and propagating it, and I'm not going mm-hmm. to. Yeah, it's writing everybody off. I see a sign. Nope, that family. Ugh. Yeah. Done with them. I want to talk to them. I think uh, anger can come across in terms of um, viewing the other person, uh, those who disagree with us, as the enemy instead of people that God cares for. So when we view them as the enemy, it's really easy to let anger manifest in various ways because the goal is to defeat them, to destroy them, uh, where whether or not this vote passes or not, this person still needs Jesus, and that can be really quickly forgotten. So as we engage people, uh, if they're less likely to listen to the gospel as a result of how we engaged, then we probably did in some way to communicate anger and maybe lost sight of about their value in the process. Yeah. That's a great point. Whatever we do, we should do it in such a way that we could, at any point in the conversation, transition to the gospel with a clear conscience. Okay. I think some of us approach the issue with a totally closed mind mm-hmm. on the issue, and the ones on the no side say a woman can't have an abortion under any circumstances, whereas if they read the total issue on the yes profile, they would know that there are certain circumstances still yet that a woman can have. Like if her life or the baby's is threatened, then yes, she can have with the doctor's permission and so forth. But what the no vote is the way I understand is it's the issue is to avoid the abortion of almost full term babies is the way part of my understanding. I don't understand the whole issue. Mm-hmm. I've already voted because I was allowed to vote early. And I know how I voted. And I voted with my conscience as best I could understand the issue. Um, and no, I did not vote <laughs> for and, the no side. And so let's, let's uh, just as a side note, um, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of us have read the amendment? I haven't read the whole Read the, the value of both amendment? How many have heard the arguments on the other side? Like, and given them a good faith chance to, to explain themselves? Like those, those are those things that, to think about. We're not, not really, really have a big point there. Other than there is a tendency on both sides to just hear somebody you like or that you respect and just kind of say what they said. If, if I haven't read the, the amendment myself or if I haven't 
um, considered these things at all, but I'm just parroting something else that's, that's kind of a problem, and that, that will feed into usually um, I'm just angry at other people because I don't really know why I'm saying what I'm saying. And so anytime there's a disagreement, that, that's very easy to say that as an attack on, on myself. So that, that's a problem as well. So on both sides, if you haven't read the amendment, that's, that's kind of a problem. Right? That's being um, intellectually, at least, lazy. Um, so we, we ought to know what we're talking about. So let's, let's look at the next question. When we talked last week about the first two components, there's four components of this uh, constructive displeasure of mercy. The first two were patience and forgiveness. And so let's, let's think about that in the context of this conversation, this topic that stirs up a lot of strong emotions, a lot of anger. What would it look like to be patient and forgiving talking about this amendment in our conversations? How does patient mercy influence our conversation with someone on the other side? By way of review, remember patient mercy it wasn't it was like this this commitment to seeing this thing through for the long haul. So I see something wrong with evil, and then I I search the scriptures, it aligns with what God says is wrong. I am upset about it, angry about it, not because it messes with my convenience or my my little kingdom or what I want to do. No, it, it is it is going against God's kingdom and his priorities. And so I am patient. Mercy is this commitment that I'm going to see this thing through as long as it takes. I'm going to extend mercy in a strong way until this unrighteous thing, this wrong thing, is changed. So how does that influence our conversation with someone who's on the other side? I don't think you have to convince them right on the spot. How many times have you been convinced in one conversation to change your view on something that's important? Even something that's not important. Like, how many times have that, has that you had a conversation? You know what? You're totally right. I'm going to completely change my opinion on that. That, I, that almost never happens. That's new information. If you have new information, that's the only thing. Yeah. And even if, even if, I, if I agree, like, you make it a point, I, that's new information. That seems right. But I don't like it because I've been on this side for a long time. It's going to take me a while to change that. So David, what David says is exactly right. You're not going to convince them right now. You do not have to have the sense of urgency. You've got to convince them right now, today, or else. If we come into it thinking we have to convince them right now, then when we fail to do that, we feel frustrated and then we get angry, and then we became, become even less convincing. Mm -hmm. People typically don't get, get, you know, aren't convinced when we get really angry with them. <laughs> so it's like this, this self-fulfilling sort of thing where we actually close down the ability to convince them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I have that, yeah, if we have that urgency, we will get angry because they're not going to change. 
and I could go into the conversation without like having a convincing side debate as well. The conversation that I have was just like, well, what is in this amendment? Like, what exactly does this mean? Well, I, I guess I haven't really figured that out. Let's look it up together. Mm -hmm. So we just started researching everything. Mm -hmm. And together we were like, oh, did you read this? Did you look at this? Oh, okay. And then from that, we like, Bared it down to like, okay, I think this is what the amendment is actually saying. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with the laws that we currently have. It's not going to take those away and it's not going to change those. It has nothing to do with really anything that the media is saying about anything. <laughs> it's really just putting the responsibility back to the Kansas electors to say and regulate abortion from here on out mm -hmm. versus not. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so when we like delved into it, it was like, oh, okay, like I didn't even know that. And I'm on the yes side and I'm for the amendment and I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. So I think you can go at it from that perspective and then you have a conversation because you're both looking at it and you're not like, well, this is what I believe and this is what's going on and you just figure it out. But like, there's other ways of approaching things and just being like, well, I'm vote yes and you're vote no. So, <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that that requires, what, what kind of character trait does that require if you're going to go into a conversation like that? Patience. Patience. Humility. Humility. Not thinking you know at all. Right. The humility. If, if I don't know, honestly, if I haven't read the amendment, I probably shouldn't talk like I have read it. Right? That's pride. <laughs> you know? That's a, I don't want you to know that I haven't done my homework or I want you to think I'm smart or whatever that, that is. But humility, if I don't know, I think, well, actually, you know what? I haven't read anything. Let's read it. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Okay? That's, that's great. So going with humi humility, yeah, but the big one is patience. If, if I'm in a conversation and we're, it's going away, they're not being convinced, instead of getting angry about it and wanting to, to convince them right now, patient mercy is like, you know, hey, you know, we can continue talking about this another time or we can, you're, you got to behave and, and speak in a way that will leave the door open to talk again. And this, they won't not say that they're going to walk through that door and talk with you again. But um, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. So I'm, I'm talking in a patient way, knowing that it's going to, it might take months or years for this person to change their mind about very important topics. Also, if the person's a, a non-believer, there's also an understanding that Satan's blinded the eye, the mind, the hearts of people. So there's not, not saying there's not responsibility on their part, but they're also victims of, uh, of a really fallen, broken world. Uh, they've been lied to by the world. They've been deceived by the devil. And so there's a certain element of mercy there as well. Man, they need to be enlightened mm -hmm. by the Lord. I'm talking about a non-believer, not about yeah. opinions about secondary issues mm -hmm. necessarily. And I think that doesn't help us to not get as angry yeah. Uh, because they're they're also hurting in this, mm -hmm. and their their statements, their beliefs, their views are tied to their being blinded to, to the truth, mm -hmm. and and so they need Jesus. We expect them to view the world like a believer who's had their hearts and minds illuminated by the Spirit. Well, they're not going to act that way. They're not going to think that way because the real issue is they need Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This debate's been going on for decades too, and regardless of the outcome of the vote. Still going to continue. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as being not necessarily the crux of the, of the amendment itself, it's still going to be 
coming out fast mm -hmm. over and over. Yeah. So how we react to it, whether win or lose. Yeah. What happens if August third, this amendment passes, and I go, "Ha ha, you losers!" You know, like we won. That, that's a that would be a problem, right? So in my anger, wanting to rub it in, and like stick their nose in it, and like, ha, you fill in the blank with some names. But or if it doesn't pass, August third. Their side wins. How how would that look for me to be patient and merciful? Well, it's Second Timothy chapter two verses twenty three on have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient in enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they make, that they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to his will. It really comes down to, I'm not going to be changing anybody's <coughs> mind. God's the one who grants repentance. And he changes somebody's real view. And if I don't deal with what he talks about in here, of kindness and gentleness, there's not a chance in the world. Mm -hmm. Then it's all going to be about how I do it. Can you say that verse again? Like the, where to find the it? Reference? Yeah. It was Second Timothy 2, 23 through 26. Second Timothy 2, 23 through 26. What about forgiving mercy? What might be required as we're having a conversation with somebody? Why would we might why would we have to forgive? One thing I'm trying to think of is Lord at the opposing side is is really pro And and I'm hearing that more. It didn't used to be that way, you know, they would they focus on the pro choice, but now it's they are actually stating it to the ABN. They're okay with that. And just the protests that I've seen are so violent. I think it's, to me, it's been very eye-opening as, mm -hmm. as to where our culture is mm -hmm. and how blatantly opposed to God they are. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, that, it, it makes me sad. It really, you know, there's a, like what I'm saying, how do you, how do you bring that to light when when you see the depravity of man coming out more and more? And, and I guess to me it's just a realization of the direction our country and our world is going. And that's a good topic to think about as well. When you see like some of the more brazen, more hostile um, folks who are who are shouting and, and saying things, that's probably the, the fool that we don't want to quarrel with. Um, but in our anger, sometimes, what do we want to do? <coughs> want to tear that person down so that everybody can see it. Like there, there is in, in us this anger that we can you know, motivate us to destroy them. <coughs> and even if you engage, you have to realize that that's the very thing that they're going to try to get to the good is to get you angry. Mm -hmm. but, you know, that's, that's 
enemy's trying to get you to do is to go down on their level yeah. rather than yeah, and that's somebody who's a skilled debater and who's who want might want to do that. I think sometimes a lot of people they they just want to yell. They they're just angry, and so to, for me to try and convince somebody who is angry, that is not going to work. Um, the other the other part of this that I might need to forgive because if I'm in a, a conversation and they say, "Well, you're just a Bible thumping bigot." Dare you? Like, like, do you know who I? I, and I? I can get all upset because you attacked me. You said something mean about me. I mean, just think about some of the things you might have heard on some. Uh, you see in the videos about these these protests and people screaming things and the accusations that are slung. And I mean, think about being like they're addressing that to you specifically. Can you forgive? Can you? Let that go. Extend mercy. Rocky, I think last week talk, talking about the attitudinal forgiveness, <laughs> the attitude of, especially I'm, I'm going to overlook this offense so we don't make the issue about me. Uh, I, even though it, it attacked me, it is personal in that sense. I can let that go because that's not the bigger issue. Mm-hmm. My being offended isn't a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's not the exact same thing, but it fits into, I mean, Jesus tells us to bless those who curse us. And that's very different than how we typically respond when people attack us. And that's just a, I'm a radical shift. How do I bless those who are attacking me, who are, who are cursing me, who are lying against me? It's not just putting up with it. It's seeking their well-being. Mm-hmm. That's one of those like, gospel things where I don't know how you do that without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's impossible if you don't, you don't have the Spirit in you. That which One more thing, and I'll, I'll just briefly say this, and then we need to get going. <laughs> We're, we're wrapping this up today. Um, but thinking about those who would be on the no side, because I think the majority of us in this room are going to be on the vote yes side. We, we're on that side. The, the reasons for someone who would vote no, um, how can I be patient with someone? Let's say that it's a friend of mine, and it's not one of these people who are just raging and, and just want to be able to abort a baby at any time for any reason whatsoever. So I'm, one of the, I'm not dealing with, with that argument. I'm dealing with someone who maybe have some similar um, convictions about abortion to me, but they're gonna they're they're gonna vote no. Why could why patient mercy? How how would that come out? If I'm I'm trying to convince this person, and they're saying no, I'm voting I'm voting no, but I'm against abortion. But I'm voting no. What could possibly be their motivation? Yeah, we can be. We can expand that. Just like the person may have some kind of an experience in their past where they, they, there's some reason why they're just not about this vote. It could be 
maybe they've they've had an abortion before, and and to be against it now maybe would kind of be convicting. It's like, well, then that means I shouldn't have done it when I did it, or I shouldn't have pressured my girlfriend when we were back in high school, or whatever. Whatever the case is, there should be something. There could be something in their past that, that is just causing them to jam up a little bit. So that could be a possibility. Could could they also just be seeing those ads on YouTube and seeing the the lies and things like, whoa? Then I, I mean. I don't want to give up my rights. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what they, these signs say, isn't it? Yep. Protect your rights. Um, so that, that can be, to, to someone who is a conservative politically, right? That, man, that can get me all upset. Taking away my rights, right? That, that's a, that would be if they have believed that, and, and I come at them with anger, Calling them, uh, you know, pro-abortion and all this kind of thing, that can be a problem. But if I extend mercy and I'm patient and conversing with them, and we've been able to come and have a conversation, maybe I maybe I can persuade them. I think cutting to the to the source for all these is just to ask questions. If you don't know, ask. Mm -hmm. I mean. That's that if you if you really don't know why they feel that way, say, well, why are you? What led you to this conclusion? I don't understand. Like, and just be dispassionate in the same sense that like if you're back in school and you're like, how did you get that answer? Because I got something completely different. Like, it's not even you know. Because I think if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to, we're asking we're asking these people to show empathy to human life if we show empathy to them and and you know who they are as a person and why they came to this conclusion mm -hmm. albeit we think it's the wrong conclusion it's going to i think it's going to make them feel valued because mm -hmm. we want like the whole point is we're we're valuing people mm -hmm. so you know just kind of like if you don't know ask mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's a perfect um outworking of patience too to ask a question and not assume that you already know the answer Right, asking a question. If we're going to be genuine about it, I'm going to ask a question, and then I'm going to listen to what they say. It takes patience. What about the side gaps? Well, what about that ten-year-old girl that was raped? Because that's where I, I have a sister that's kind of raised that way, and it's always it's still people-oriented. I mean, because they care about that ten-year-old, you know, that's been raped, and you know it happened. Um, so I'm not sure. You know, a lot of sides is hesitate to comment on that one because I, I, I remember hearing that there were some questions about that story but so yeah, let's but grant, yeah I know so we have difficult situations where a, a woman is raped or a girl is raped um, then there's there's other things that can come into play there like for a 10 year old that I mean for the health of that little girl there's probably some things that and I'm not a doctor or a nurse that we have some in here that would be able to speak to that but we again remembering that we value people like, like Jason just mentioned, we, we love that little girl. If that, if that happened, that is a terrible, horrific thing. And we ought to be in anger, righteous anger, looking for the man who did that. Right? We should be looking for how do we resolve this in, in every way possible with legislation and, and uh, the ju 
judicial system, all, all of that, uh, we need to be asking questions. Well, what, what's going on here in that situation? Because that, that is a horrifying story, right? Um, and we, we are on the side who loves people. We're not on the side that only loves babies. You know, babies are precious. We do love babies. We love people. Because people are created in the image of God. That's why people rebel. Mm-hmm. And then, so that my question would be, so w- if this amendment passes, would that, would that not be allowed to take that little girl's health into consideration? Uh, it still would be, right? That would still be a thing that we would look at. And doctors are in the business, ought to be in the business of taking care of people and making the best medical decision for, I, I can't imagine a 10-year-old girl being able to carry a baby, right? That's, that's. I don't know how that works, uh, how that would work. But um, so there, there's an, there are options to, to discuss that and ask questions and say, well, what do you, what do you think would happen here? And remember, going back to, in this case, going back to the amendment, you like, what does the amendment say? It, it does not say that nobody, under any circumstances, I mean, that's, that's something that one of the lies that's going around is even for an ectopic pregnancy, when the, the, it's not viable and it is dangerous to the mother, that is not on the table here. That's not what we're talking about. So um, there's there's some ways to ask questions and to think through that uh, with those those folks as well. Any other comments? And one one other one other category of, of people is like it doesn't go far enough. This doesn't even ban abortion. I'm gonna vote no. What do you say then? <laughs> I think the elections are rigged, so I'm going to boycott, boycott the election so then they're legitimate because I didn't vote for what I voted for. Now that you say that, I did talk to a, a random stranger at a gas station one time. He's like, he's like, I don't believe it. It's all rigged. I'm not even going to vote. I'm like, I got to go. I don't know what to do. <laughs> to but, like, so that, I didn't, you reminded me of that situation. But, so, like, the, the person who is like, no, it doesn't go far enough. Well, uh, using wisdom, what will happen if this doesn't pass? And this is, should be part of our, com- our conversation and our consideration of this topic. What happens uh, in Kansas <coughs> if this doesn't pass? Nothing, Nothing happens. And what, what are the current um, restrictions on abortion? It's something to weigh. There's not much. Okay? Um, it's kind of a problem. So. And even if it does pass, does, does something change right away? No. Not really. No. What what happens? It goes to the legislature, right? Yeah, we get to regulate. So the legislators that we've elected would have to write up some legislation, and it would have to pass, and have to be signed into law, and then then it would become then we're talking about what would happen changes. But right now, it's not even possible for the legislatures legislature to. Yeah, because the Supreme Court has said, nope, it's in the Constitution, the Kansas Constitution, you know, the one that was 150 years old when abortion was really a thing back then. So, like, that's a problem because now it's not even in there. So this is putting it in their hands, and then we need to think about, okay, what what kind of legislation could be written? And so, yeah, this would be um, something to bring up. It's just think about what this would actually do. Think soberly about that. Somebody was going to say something. Thank you. I was going to say, uh, if it doesn't pass, one thing that I think some people, me included, need to be reminded of 
change the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens with the mm-hmm. legislative bodies and all of that sort of thing, you still have a clear mandate from Christ for what you should do. Mm-hmm. So that kind of simplifies things. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Good echo of what Joshua said earlier. But like, no matter if pass or not pass, they need they need the Lord. They're going to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day and give an account. They need the gospel just like I need the gospel. So, yeah, that's a great point. In Romans 1, 4, Paul goes through all everything that's wrong with the current time. He says the righteous will live by faith. And before he even says that, he says, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. Because we need to be oriented that way as well. So, let's go ahead and move on, since we have all this time left. Oh, one more, one more comment? Oh, I just wanted to add, I think also, you got to know your Bible. you got to know why you're making a stand um, and speak the truth in love. I think the closer we get to the return of Christ, it's going to get darker, and there's going to be greater opposition, and we just need to expect that. But be acting in a way that's Christ-like, not in the flesh, not in anger. Yeah. Yeah, could you give a biblical defense for defending babies in the womb? Why should we not? Why should we not do that? If there's so, if you if you can, great. If you can't, yeah. Well, just said we need to know our know the word because that's really what should be forming the ways that we vote and the ways that we live, the ways that we talk, the ways that we work, the ways that we love and interact with people. Influence everything else, and voting is a part of that. Right? But it should be an outworking of our theology, what the Lord commands of us. So, two ingredients, 12 minutes. We got it. <laughs> Ingredient three. And we've talked about one of these quite a bit, in fact. So, it'll, I think it will go quickly. Charity. Ingredient number three is charity. Mercy is charitable. So, in addition to patience and forgiveness, our good anger should be characterized by charity. In the midst of wrong, we can and must show love. What? This kind of goes back to Joshua asked the question. How do you love someone who's doing wrong to you? Isn't, I mean, it's Jesus. He's just, this is kind of idealistic, right? Like, we just have to love our enemies, but not really. We just have to kind of tolerate them. No. We, we must love. Look at the next page. Top of page 2, Luke 6, 27-35. But I say to you, Jesus speaking, but I say to you, love your enemies. Let that sit for a second. Love your enemies. Do good to those who do good to you. No, no. Do good to those who hate you. You have somebody who hates you? Do good to them. Bless those who curse you. How many of you have been cursed this week? What do we do? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Kind of a side note, that that Greek word is not about like somebody beating you up or somebody sexually abusing you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about slanderous, like calling you names, that kind of abuse. Somebody's abusing you, what do you do? You pray for them. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Yikes. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. 
Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So how should we treat those who are doing bad things to us? we do? <coughs> I guess we get off social media. <laughs> we get off social media. Well, I mean, I don't read, I'm not on Facebook, thank mm -hmm. you, thank goodness, and I don't have to look at it. I don't want to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not maybe right, but I don't think. There's something to be said about that, though. If, yeah. if you have, if you are watching the social media, and there's somebody you interact with every day, they say something you disagree with, you get angry, and you get mm -hmm. as you weigh social media and I'm sure this is going to come up in our technology thing social media you have to weigh the, the benefit how does that help us social media is it is it contributing to our growth in Christ likeness and godliness um, there's some some tough questions and maybe some decisions we have to make around not just social media but like TV certain I mean if you're watching a political show generally what are those political shows trying to do Keep coming back. How do you? How, what? What makes us really want to watch a political commentator? Yeah. And what are they always talking about? How bad the other. How bad the other side is. Can you believe those idiots? They're they're so looking at them. They're doing. They're and so anger is one of the things that keeps us coming back. There's something about anger that feels good to our flesh. passage the we're talking about a little more about maybe some wisdom and some avoiding some conflict mm -hmm. but doing good is not the avoiding right doing good and blessing is something way more active it's a lot more challenging to figure out how do i do good for those who are slandering me who hate me who have decided i'm their enemy how do i do good to them and that's that's hard and and a lot of times when i hear love your enemies like, it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, continue. I'm going to read the next verse. I'm just going to go on. There's not, that seems, a lot of times, it seems like weak. Somebody's just got to be passive and let them walk on me. And that's one of the questions. Is, is Jesus advocating you to be a doormat? So people walk all over you and to be weak and passive? No. So Joshua just said, this, this is impossible if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And that what kind of strength and what kind of character does, does this require for you to bless someone who curses you? Like there, there, 
you have to have some serious power, and it's from the Spirit. So it's not like, you know, don't want to get your head you know, puffed up or anything. But, but this is impossible. The world cannot do this. Okay? So this requires some serious strength, some serious um, determination. This is tough. What motivates that? What does Jesus say that motivates us to do this? Look at verse 35. We know where, we know that this life here on earth is not our reward. Mm -hmm. But the people here who we are trying to love by not letting them go to hell Mm -hmm. and telling them the good news, eternity that like verse 35 says do those things love love your enemies do good lend expect nothing in return and your reward will be great it's okay to think about that and then the second part of that verse the next part I should say and you will be sons of the most high how does God respond to our hostility That is amazing. As, as bad as somebody can treat you, okay, you're not God. You have not given them life, created thousands of things. Like, think about food. It tastes good. Didn't have to happen. God did that because he's kind. He's good. He's given you friends. He's given them a family. He's given them any number of thousands upon thousands of blessings, and they have rejected him in hostility. I have rejected God. We all have rejected God. That's the, what the situation of all humanity is. And God did not wait for us to mellow out, to stop yelling, to stop rebelling before he saved us. To be a son of the Most High, you act like your father. Huge motivator. Wow. When I think about the way the Father has treated me in my rebellion, in my hostility, my rejection of Him and His ways, my ignoring of Him as if He does not hold my body together and keep my heart beating and my lungs breathing and all the other things that are going on here, that is done 
not by me. And I've rejected him. And he has been gracious and kind to me. And he has saved me. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Romans 12 is the one that we've talked about a lot. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon, on his head. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What does it look like to love your enemies here? <coughs> starts with an inward disposition if we remember Titus 3 and we remember how we sinned against God and his kindness saved us not on the basis of our deeds but by him by his mercy and washing of regeneration so in verse 2 it says malign no one mm -hmm. that's even in our thoughts in the car or when we see the signs um, to be peaceable and gentle and showing consideration for all men we have this inward disposition knowing our sins against God mm -hmm. and we continually sin, right? So like, his continual pouring out of mercy on us. So if we have an inward disposition that's focused on our sins against our God, we're much more gentle mm -hmm. and much more um, like peaceable bringing them to God in our prayers. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Percy Chapman? For how long in his ministry? Wasn't like a decade? The entire time. And he even had a, I think it was a, a non-believing, it was actually just a, a story, a, a brochure who was mm -hmm. actively speaking against him. And then he, and Chapman was rich. So then he came into town, Chapman told him, uh, sure, you can buy me groceries, but only from me. From that guy. Mm -hmm. Who was me. And, and I think that's, that's transformative. Yeah. And I think there, there's one of the things that we do need to clarify too because when we think of when I think of people I love what emotions or what thoughts come to my mind my wife and my girls like my family my friends like there, there's a certain affection and a warmth that I feel and, and that doesn't necessarily it's not what he, Paul is talking about here you don't have to look in, in there's a quote in the book he says love for someone who wrongs you does not mean working out feelings of affection attraction and attachment it means a policy of doing tangible good quote to the contrary if your enemy is hungry what do you do you love him you send him a note you do no you feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head charity is a powerful weapon of good so Sometimes I, I just like, well, I can't love that person. I mean, I, I don't like them at all. Like, they're mean. No, love in action is meeting a need. If he's hungry, I can give him food, even though he hates me and he's said things about me and he's done all these kinds of things out of love, which is again stemming from this this reality that I have received forgiveness and love from the Lord, who I have rejected and, and warred against. And I've, I've received that, and I can give that out to someone. And it doesn't mean I have to just like have warm, fuzzy thoughts about them when I when they come and walk by. It takes 
so in all of this, the way that the way that I parse it, and I think different than a lot of people, is if <clears throat> and not everyone not everyone has lived the same life as I do. But if you worked with kids, um, or worked for like healthcare, where you're working with you know a patient that might not like you or not like what you're doing, or the kid that doesn't like you, it's you can't take it personal when they push back against you because you're you're there to take care of them. Um, I've been in situations where I've been literally punched in the face and bleeding from my face and in dealing with the person who punched me in the face my concern is for their well-being so like you know I'm not trying to be too gruesome but like I, I leaned in such a way that I was not directly bleeding on them like and I know not everyone has stories like that but just you, when someone pushes against you they're pushing against God's authority you're just you are just working out what God has told us to do so you can't be you know, like even if they're attacking you as a person they're attacking who they see they're attacking God's authority so we need to have mercy on them just like we'd have mercy on a little kid who throws a toy at you and hits you in the shin when you're watching them in daycare or you know anyone else that you're in charge of that doesn't necessarily like that you're in charge of them you know tenderness and care yeah, yeah. so last ingredient was constructive conflict we did a whole series on conflict so there's a great book, Resolving Conflict by Lou Priolo out in the, in the um, Resource Center. If you'd like to take that out. But basically, conflict is not always bad. Conflict is necessary if we're going to be unified because all of us in this room have different thoughts about things. And sometimes we have to have some good conflict to talk those things and work those things out. <coughs> to really love somebody. Um, just think about these couple of these scriptures here. Um, the key text for that whole book really is, therefore... Uh, Paul writing, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So unity is a big, a big thing. It's a big deal. So working unity does not mean I ignore differences. Sometimes I can. But it means a, a lot of times if there's a disagreement, there's a problem here, we are going to work it out. Um, think about 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. There's conflict in there. You tried to correct somebody? You tried to reprove somebody? Warn them about, if they continue along that line, that's, that's not going to be good, that's sinful. It's like that, There's going to be conflict there. And when they do sin, Luke 17, 3 through 4, we talked about this last week. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. It's going to be a little awkward, probably. Right? And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day turn and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So, let's look at the summary. It is good and right to be angry when God is rejected or ignored. It is necessary for us to have a negative reaction against us. But our anger must conform to God's word. We must be angry in the way that He prescribes. May we seek to be, may we seek to anger righteously as we live and pray and work for the glory of God, and to, uh, for the glory of God to be seen and loved in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.